God knows what He's doing. If you would, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 tonight. And uh, I want to, as we think about this, uh, what it, the election last night up in Georgia and trouble that's going on there in Washington, it seemed like every time I answer the phone, it's some kind of trouble with somebody or someplace. Just trouble on every side. Uh, but uh, read with me now, and I'll, I want to show you something if I can. In First Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received a gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things might be glorified, through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless the reading and study of thy word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was <coughs> going over in my mind thinking of all the mess that's going on right now. And I was thought about verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, I believe that's one of the greatest truths that needs to be preached today and be taught and be read and studied by believers today. I don't get discouraged anymore. I get disappointed in people. I get disappointed in things, but I don't get discouraged for this simple reason. I honestly believe that Jesus could come back any moment and end all of it. Amen? And that he straighten all this out. But... Well, what I want to talk to you tonight about is what kind of lifestyles should we be living in these last days. I know someone will say, Preacher, Paul wrote these words some 2,000 years ago, and the time has not come yet. And in Peter speaking, is Peter speaking the truth in verse 7? Of course he is, because from the day of Pentecost until today, we live in an age called the last days or the end times, according to Acts chapter 2, 17, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, Hebrews 1 and verse 2. But the reason that the writers of Acts 
1 Corinthians, Hebrews, and all the writers in between the Acts and the Revelation could say truthfully we are living in the last days is because from the day of Pentecost unto this very day Jesus could have come and could come at any moment. The end is at hand, the Bible says. Now why James could say, that's why James could say in James chapter 5 verse 9, the judge standeth at the door. That's what John meant when he said in 1 John 2.18, Little children, it is the last time. So, every Christian ought to be living with this fact. Jesus could come at the twinkling of an eye. In a moment, he could come any moment. I believe we today are not only living in the last time, but I believe we're living in the last moment of the last time. And what we need to see today is eternity is not something or way out yonder somewhere. It's at hand. The only thing, it, one heart beat away. Somebody said, well, I don't think Jesus is coming. Well, the Bible says when people say that, that's when He is coming. That's the best sign He is coming. Because the Bible says, in the hour you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, if Jesus is coming at hand in any moment, and, uh, I mean, He could come today, just any moment, what should we be living, what should be our lifestyle in the light of this? Five things are taught here that ought to be true in every Christian lifestyle. Now, using these same verses that we just read, number one, we should be learning of His coming. In verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Now watch at verse 7. Be ye sober. That don't mean not to be drunk. It means that this word sober means serious-minded. We ought to be serious-minded about this. Mark chapter 5 uses the same meaning in Mark chapter 5 verse 15 when it says right mind. That's the same word as sober in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. So we're to be in the right mind. In other words, if Jesus is coming, and He is, then you need to get serious about your thinking. You need to learn about His second coming. I know that when I first got saved, I'd hear preachers preach on the second coming. I'd hear them talk about Jesus could come in a moment. But I didn't really put any serious study into it. I didn't look for things that the Bible says will be happening around us before He comes. And then I got to studying and looking at and And honest to goodness, you can take the Bible now and open it and study the second coming of Christ and all the things that God says are going to be taking place just before He comes. It's happening all around us now. And so uh, when you study, get serious about this, and when you, when you study God's Word, and you know what the end results are, then you won't be led to believe a lie, such as science will make everything better and better. Uh, We're looking for a great utopia. We're going to have a great uh, life on this earth. No, the Bible says it's going to get worse and worse. And as it gets worse and worse, that's getting closer to the, the time of the Lord to come. Someone describes civilization as an ape in a room of dynamite with a blowtorch. (laughs) I read that today, and that's about the way life is right now. 
social reform is not the answer then, and the military might is not the answer. Education is not the answer. The only answer to the world's problems today is Jesus could come any moment. And you can't make sense of sufferings until you understand the second coming of Christ. The only reason you'll never meet the devil is because you're going in the same direction he is. But I'm not. I'm going the other direction. Amen? And if we're going the other direction, then I'm not going to meet him head on. Your troubles just begin when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you start walking one way and the devil's coming the other way and you go run head on to him. You're going to have problems in this life. And by the way, I was sitting there watching what was going on TV last night and carrying on, and I said, you know, the devil's in charge. And the Bible says he's in charge. But that's going to end, first thing you know, Jesus is coming back. Now, how is all this going to make sense? And the only way is Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Turn back there just a moment. Romans chapter 8. And look with me, please, in verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, we all of us suffer in one sense or another, some more than others. But at the same time, a Christian suffers in this world. But when you realize we got greater glory coming, this is not our glory here. We're just passing through. So number one, we should be sober or learning, have a sound mind about His coming. Number two, we should, we should be looking for His coming. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be there be sober and watch. Now watch, we're to be looking for His coming. That's watching. G. Campbell Morgan, that great old Bible teacher, said, I never lay my head on my pillow without thinking that perhaps before I wake, the final morning may have dawned. I never begin my work without thinking he might interrupt it to begin his own. I like that saying. We ought to live in the last days in such a way that when we lay down to sleep, this could be the last night. Amen? When we wake, this could be the last dawn that we see, the last sunrise. We're to be learning of it, but we're also to be looking for it. I love to watch clouds. My wife said yesterday as we was traveling down the roads, and I said, look at that beautiful cloud or something about the clouds. And she said, you ought to have been a weatherman because you love to watch the clouds. But I do. There's just something about watching the sun play on the clouds and, and watching the cloud formation. And every time I see the glare of the sun like it plays through the clouds sometimes, I think what a beautiful sight it would be if Jesus came back with that glory of that great light shining. And there he would be. I look for that. Amen. And number three, we ought to be longing for his coming. Verse seven again. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. What? Under prayer. Now, you see, when you watch for Jesus to come, then you begin to pray for his coming. Let me read you just a verse. Listen to this. 2 Peter 3.12 Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Now remember, 
Jesus taught it to his disciples to pray in Matthew 6 and verse 10, Thy kingdom come. Now, we are taught to pray for peace in Jerusalem according to Psalms 122 and verse 6. But that cannot be in Jerusalem perfect peace under the Prince of Peace comes and sits on his throne in Jerusalem. That is, Jesus himself. So this word hasting means if we watch and pray for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are to pray. Three times in this chapter, the Lord says, I come quickly. Revelation 22 verse 20 says, Even so come Lord Jesus. Uh, we ought to pray for His coming then. We are to be sober-minded. We are to be looking for His coming. We are to be watching. We are to be praying and longing for His coming. And it's a reality. Jesus is coming. We are to be loving His coming. Now I like this. Look at verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now, the word charity here is the word agape in the Greek meaning godly love. Now, the highest of love then. Why did Peter say, above all things have fervent charity or godly love among yourself? Because Jesus said, in the last days, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, it's, it, you don't see much love today. I mean, openly. And I know you you bring it on, blame it on the virus, you can blame it on uh, keeping social distances and all that kind of stuff all you want to, but uh, it used to be that people showed their love to one another, but not anymore, not like they used to. That means in the last days there's going to be a tidal wave of crime and lawlessness in. But don't let that get to you. Above all this, you're a Christian, and you've got to love in Christian love. What will make the city know this is a, Christ, a real church? You think about this. Now, is this church of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's one way. It's not the buildings. It's not the monies. It's not the visits that you make. John 13, and I'll show you something. In John 13, just back up with me. John 13, and look with me please in verse 35. John 13 and verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And the way everybody will know that this church is a church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we show love for one another. Amen? Love is the greatest virtue. Love is the greatest commandment. Love is the greatest testimony. Love is the greatest motivation. What is it that motivates us, motivates us to serve the Lord? What is it that causes us to give above our tithes and offering? What is it that causes us to be faithful to church every time the door opens? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, The love of Christ constraineth us. And so if Jesus loved us, we can love somebody else. Amen? Why above all? Because love is the greatest confirmation of our salvation. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, uh, makes it very plain 
that the way you know you are saved is you love the brother. Now, so if your heart is filled with hatred, then you need to be saved. The mark of a child of God is he loves, period, above everything else. Now, notice the word in First Peter 4, verse 8, the word fervent. Fervent means it'll cost you something. That I might be a little kinder and a little blinder to the faults of those around us. That'll cost you something. God help us not to find faults with everything that we see in one another because Jesus is coming. Now look at verse 9. Verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You know what that means? That means to invite somebody home with you once in a while. Have some hospitality. Invite them to spend some time with you and just fellowship with one another. That if we're looking for Jesus to come, you know what I, I think about this a lot of time. Did you know I'm going to live in heaven with you forever? I ought to get to know you then, haven't I? Because you're going to be my neighbor and we're going to roam around heaven all, all eternity. We need to learn to love one another with hospitality. We're to be laboring until He comes. Now watch verse 10 and 11. And every man has re received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as oracles of God. If any man minister, let him uh, do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice what it's saying here. Every one of us has a gift. Uh, to minister for Christ. Some more than others. But everybody has something you can do for the Lord. A reporter uh, interviewed an astronaut who was going to the moon and asked this question. After you've gotten to the moon, how are you going to leave the moon? Well, he said, we get in our lunar modular and we'll fire the rocket off, lift off the moon. But the man asked, what if the engine don't work? How long will you have to live? About six hours, he said. Then asked the reporter, What will you be doing in those six hours? The astronaut replied, I'll be working on engine. <laughs> I thought about that, and I thought that's the way it ought to be. Listen, if I really believe that Jesus is coming back, I'm going to be doing something for Him. Amen? Now, we need to work to the end come. We need to work till Jesus comes. I laugh at people all the time. They meet me and they haven't seen me in a long time. <clears throat> and they, they want to say this, but they don't come right out and say it. You still hanging around? <clears throat> they want to say, you still here? But here I am. And then the next question comes, you still preaching? When are you going to retire? And I always say to them, you can't find the word retire in the Bible. It says they died. They died. You know what that means? Whatever God has called you to do, you do it right up to the end. You don't quit. I laugh. Now, I don't, I don't know how many Yankees we got in here this morning, tonight, but uh, I laugh at a lot of these retired people from the north. Let's put it that way. And they come down here, and they sit down, and they don't do anything. And up there, they go to church, they sing in the choir, they do everything in the church up there, but they come down here and they retire. I even had a man tell me one day, he said, I don't tithe anymore. I said, what do you mean you don't tithe? 
He said, well, I'm retired, and my Social Security already paid taxes. My tithe on that and on this. And he went on to tell me what all he already paid on. I said, buddy, you have to live, and the Bible says, on your income. Never mind. I don't have to explain all that to you. You already know what I'm talking about. But isn't it funny to you that people get to the age that they think they retire from giving, they retire from singing, they forgot for going to church, they just, they just quit on God, sit down. But the Bible makes it very clear in verse 10 and 11 when it comes to the last time, we're to be busier than we've ever been in our life. I want to be doing something. Uh, I don't mind preaching funerals. You know why? Every time I get to preach a funeral, I'm going to present the gospel hoping somebody will get saved. I don't mind doing weddings because I, I'm going to bring a plan of salvation somehow to get people to, to understand what the plan of salvation is. I don't mind people sitting down with me and me counseling and just talking with them in the Word of God. You know why? It might be for the first time in their life they hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be something <laughs> if Jesus was to come right now and somebody in here tonight would get saved? That'd be the greatest honor in all the world. That's what we've got to be doing. And when we look at all this mess that's going up on up there in Washington and out there in Georgia and what all's going on, and, and if, you, if you would let yourself, you would get discouraged, you would get down. You can't do that. you got to keep going. Because I'm looking for all this mess to end, and I'm going to get have glory with God one day. I'll be in the very presence of God, and it could be in a twinkling of an eye. So therefore, I want to be doing the best I can for the Lord. And I'm not going to go up there and ride with that bunch, and I'm not going to get a gun and shoot somebody just because I don't like what they're doing. You know what I'm going to do for them? I'm going to pray for them. I really do, because I believe prayer changes things. God can change things. And we get to thinking sometimes that it can't be different. Yes, it can. If we stay true. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for each one that's here and those that are here tonight. We thank you so much for this church. We ask you, dear God, that we would glorify thy name and everything we say and do, looking for your beautiful face soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight.